Okay, well, welcome to the uh, latest edition of Techman Talks Dynamics. We've just gone into February, and I think it's nice to get January out of the way and start to look forward. And one of the things that Microsoft have announced over the last week, talking of looking into the future, is the, uh, the new features that are coming to Wave uh, 1 of the 2021 release of Business Central. So we thought we'd get together. We've got the full, full crew in here today. We've got Matt, Liz, and James. Uh, joining myself, Liam, and we're going to have a little chat around what Microsoft have announced and the differences that it can make to everybody's businesses. So I guess if you group those together, Microsoft have put some stuff around new uh, new features for the application. So I guess that's new functionality. We've got some stuff that's been added for administration, uh, how we link with M365, Microsoft 365, and how it integrates with the rest of their uh, environment, as well as stuff for clients and um, developers. So a little bit of everything. But let's start, I'd suggest, with with maybe functionality that the end users are going to probably notice. Is there any major headline um, features that are out there? I don't know if anyone wants to pick that one up. I guess it depends who the end user is. I think, um, you know, as usual with this roadmap, there's a whole bunch of application improvements and there's a whole bunch of administration improvements that I guess, uh, you know, us here at Techman will be really pleased to see, but customers won't really uh, notice too much. And then there's uh, some developer enhancements as well. So it depends who it is, uh, where they are, what they're doing, um, as to which ones they're going to get most excited about. Yeah, and I guess with the with the well the biannual um, releases now, we're not seeing those huge big chunks of functionality that used to come in when we had a release every two or three years. About it must be nearly a decade ago. Now we went down to annual releases, and now we're we're every six months with with monthly uh, little packs being released as well. But is, but so but in terms of the end user, I would class a classic end user who's trying to do their job on Business Central. Is there anything that they might find useful or will change and, and be a benefit to them, James? Um, so, uh, you know, that you, you can pick out a lot of uh, little improvements um, and there's a there's an argument about how Microsoft would do a big improvement, you know, a big new functional area, whether they will ever do that when that's going to be on the horizon, given these. Yeah, you're right. NAV 2013 was the first of the kind of annual release cadence one. So we are coming up to close to a decade now. Um, but, you know, my. Uh, more control over settings for do- default dimensions was one that I read and went, mm, quite like that. The ability I can set, for instance, on a GL account, the way I read it, you can set a list of predefined values that are allowed. So previously, you could set it was code mandatory or a specific value, but you couldn't allow just this set of values from this dimension against this account. So that's a nice um Easy win. It'll take a bit of setting up, um, you know, going through your GL, setting all of that up against all of them. But um, I think we'll we'll give significantly extra flexibility um, to some customers. I mean, when it comes to dimensions, it's very easy to mess up your reporting with a few incorrect postings on dimensions. So the new feature um, that they've also got is correcting dimensions, which I was quite excited about, James, until you until you ruined my until you ruined my pleasure by explaining the reality of that. So to improve your reporting, you can correct. Um, in this release, you will be able to correct dimensions on GL entries, um, which is great. Um, and if you're using them to report P&Ls um, but for cost centres or, or budget centres, um, then that's great because it'll allow you to correct your data and make sure that you're reporting correctly. Unfortunately, it doesn't go as far as correcting 
the the um the related documents and the related transactions in the background like the posted invoices so um a useful feature but um may may cause uh, some other issues so we'll see I'm old school. Uh, my my objection to it, Liz, you're right, is is the fact that having, you know, the dimensions to get your GL fine, that makes your management reporting work. But if you're uh, then if you compare with the reports off your item ledger entries, for instance, yeah, which is a fairly common one to do, the two don't balance. And we're going to get a lot of support calls saying in three years down the line saying, why don't these two match? And well, I know why they haven't gone beyond GL entries because having tried to do it in the past for customers, it's really, really difficult. <laughs> so I wouldn't even bother adding it to the feature list because I think um, we have to accept that GL entries and at least um, maybe historical, um, you know, month on month comparison postings you can correct, and that that would have to be good enough. I think. I I um I was wondering exactly how they were going to implement this and I haven't seen it yet. And and I was wondering whether they, you know, now you've got this um it doesn't record the, the dimensions against every record anymore. It, it it's um uses the dimension set ID. Yeah. And I was even thinking that although you can end edit the dimension set, um, if you could store the original, what it was posted with, as well as the new set, um, that might allow you to spot it's been changed, which would be really useful. Yeah, I would imagine that there should be some some audit on on changes that are made. So, so from a finance point of view, they've gone to town on the bank recs again. Again, being the operative word, yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that so someone's been campaigning hard, I think, on the uh, on the feature request for for bank reconciliation changes. So we've got some more of those. You can uh, cancel a or you undo a reconciliation as well, which is yeah. I can imagine if you've got a large set of reconciliation to do that could be quite useful yeah but i don't know how often people post bank recs wrong yeah normally they check it balances don't they first yeah i was gonna say (laughs) the whole purpose of it is that you check it balances but you know you never never say never i mean a bit on the the accounting documentation where it says bank reconciliation is a critical accounting test for most businesses Mm. yeah show us one show us one it isn't Yes, uh, I think the most is, um, you know, how much cash you've got in the bank. It's pretty critical to every business, isn't it? So, um, and, uh, you know, but look, some simplified bank statement file import. Um, we've all had grief with that. All the banks, none of the banks seem to be able to agree a standard format, um, at least here in the UK. And I think it's the same in the US and so on. So that's got to be... Um, being able to to do that without having to resort to code, I would see as a major step forward. And I hope they actually hit that one this time. Yeah. So that those are the, the, the finance bits. What else have we got? I quite like the automatic creation of lot and serial number cards. Yeah, I like that. We've we've got we've, yeah. we've got our own app to do that. So um, it always it, you know, it's always good when Microsoft bring out their own functionality and we can deprecate our own. So uh, that's every way for- we put a couple of things in the bin, don't we, Matt? Yeah. Which is which is. I know sometimes, to be fair, our solution is better, so there might still be a case <laughs> to keep it. But we'll we'll uh, we'll wait and see. That makes it complicated, doesn't it? Because we have to make the the, the extra bits of our app. Uh, clients don't accept going backwards, so we have to make the extra <laughs> bits of our app match with the standard stuff. 
I think the thing I always notice with when you talk about that as well, the caveat with all of these releases is they're not always shipped on day one. Uh, it's in that time scale, isn't it, from what I was reading, that it might come April time when this ships, but it might come a month or two later. So you can't put them in the bin too quick, can we? But, yeah, when, when we get there, they'll, uh, they'll be there. We saw that with the 17, you know, BC 17 release last October, where a lot of it didn't ship till 17.2, which actually arrived, um, you know, I think just beginning of January, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I think so. It's December, I think, yeah. So define lot sizes for various stages of production. Um, so we can specify uh, lots on, on routing lines, planning worksheets as well, and, and, and production orders direction directly so um it's not a biggie but it's it's nice it's something again i've uh, i've done um and use those sizes well when calculating duration times so yeah um uh, i'm not sure whether we'll have to go and um uh, help our friends at netronics uh, do some changes to kind of get their calculations working taking that into account but that might be uh, uh useful in terms of uh, improving the flexibility there yeah and one of the things i noticed which popped up to me with with not a technical head on, but seemed quite a good call, good call. And I think it's something you've been doing already, Matt, with the idea of assisted setups uh, to speed up getting people up and running with, with Business Central checklists and so on and so forth. We, you've been building something like that. I'm not sure if it's like for like, but is that that's going to be of use, I guess, to, to get the end user doing more, not reliant on us quite as much for the last little stretch of the implementations or to get things set up in the foundation stage? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly about you know, starting your journey with Business Central. Certainly also some areas of functionality where you may decide to start using something. Um, and, and looking at some of the details of the release, there's going to be some enhanced kind of um, pop-ups and kind of guidance through some of the functionality. So I'm don't, not sure how that's going to look yet, but, um, you know, I think on the idea is it's beyond just the initial setup. You know, there's some templates and wizards, but some kind of, guided tutorials as to how to get certain elements set up so uh, yeah always good if we can um, streamline the implementation process i remember looking at their roadmap when they when they publish a, a bigger roadmap or a, a longer roadmap they always seem to have simplification as one of those big key areas and you always wonder what that actually means in the real world but i guess an element of this is is simplifying some of that feature i know there's it's, it's only a small amount yeah but, but you, of course remember helps. they're adding new features all the time so they had a new feature all the time on one hand, but then simply trying to simplify it on the other. So it's your, your, your end point's probably not not too far away. But I think some of the tool, some of the tool sets that are in there, sorry James, um, have helped us. So if you look at some of the things we've done on clever products, where you know, you get you can pop up a message saying, you know, do you want to now set this up and, and pull in a notifications? Uh, yeah, pull it. Yeah, and like, yeah, like yeah. standard standard setup that will work out the box that you then just have to tweak rather than setting yeah. up from scratch. One they specifically mentioned this time, assisted setup helps move the task of adjusting item costs to the background. You know, adjusting item costs. How many times have we come across a customer who's been running uh, distribution customer, been running NAV or Business Central for you know, a while, and suddenly uh, the task of running a just cost item entries um, is going to take 16 weeks to go through all of the open uh, inventory entries to get the cost pushed through properly. Um, so, you know, if that just encourages a few more customers to turn that on from day one, that's got to be worthwhile, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's caused us major pain to uh, to backdate that in the past. So things like that, I think, are um 
yeah, are, are great to see. Some of the administration tasks then, should we move on to those? Okay. I, I laughed a bit at improve the reliability of database export operation for larger databases with more companies. Um, clearly, that's uh, that's Microsoft evidencing the pain of being able to grab a backup from the SaaS platform and, and bring it locally. Um, I guess that's, I've, I've not seen that not work, but I guess uh, customers are not happy when it doesn't. Uh, and, you know, it, every customer should be aware that taking a backup of your data is, is not a bad thing to do with an ARP system on occasion. Mm. Microsoft do it for you, but, you know, you'd, you'd have to go to them to get it restored. And if Azure went down, chances of that are, are zero. So I'm not saying you should do it every night, but on occasion it can be, uh, be a good thing to do. Yeah, I, I think on, on that as well, the stuff that goes on in the background, and, and I know we've had a couple of instances of this where people are trying to move uh, an instance of Business Central to a different Azure Active Directory. Now, Azure Active Directory is typically where your users and your permissions are all set. And obviously, if a, a company gets acquired or it's been perhaps set to the wrong uh, Azure AD, if, you, if there's multiple companies in a group or something like that, now they're making it simpler. Uh, I'm not going to say it's going to be pain, pain free, but it's meant to be a simpler process. It's through Microsoft support, so it's nothing either a partner or an end user can do. But you do have the ability now uh, from looking at their notes, their release notes, to, to assign a BC environment to a different Azure AD. And I guess that's going to help. I know our DevOps team have had to do that occasionally. It helps us, Liam, because we can clean up. So, you know, when, when Business Central SaaS first came along, you could only set up one instance per um for Azure AD. So you know, we were setting up where you've got kind of multinational instances. We were setting up several Azure ADs simply to host a BC instance to get the different localizations. Um, and then when they introduced, I'm not sure whether it's 16 or 17, where you could have multiple instances. Um, and, and I think it was 17 where you could have multiple production instances in the same version. Suddenly you've got this retrospective kind of setup from uh, that we'd done from 15 and 16 that we then wanted to transform and, and that meant moving between. So now if you've got, uh, if you're running multiple instances around the world, probably having them in one Azure AD um, would be the sensible thing to do. Uh, and you know, this enables you to tidy that up and get it the way that it should be and the way you would set it up if you started it now. Okay. Um, and I guess the other one that they've popped on there, uh, just looking at the list, is this delegated admin. And then that, I imagine, is more beneficial to us as a partner, that our support team or people working on a, on a business central instance for a customer are going to be able to do more with the, with the administration or they can, they can be al allocated certain rights to do certain things, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, so, so we, we can, for a SaaS customer, we can log on to their system using our TechMan credentials and... If we haven't been on that system before, it'll automatically put our user into their system. It doesn't consume a license, uh, but they have restricted, um, quite rightly, you know, some of the things that those those users can do. But I mean, one of the things that was completely restricted was being able to do anything with job queues. Now, from a support perspective, you know, being able to re restart a job queue is, is uh, you know, quite quite a regular occurrence. So um, that's now being allowed. Um, and there's another one which is you can change the experience. So this is um, basically whether you've got essentials or premium um, and, and it defines you know, what pages you see. So can I see service management and manufacturing? So useful you know, as a one-off during an, you know, the initial implementation. But um, certainly I think that the, the allowance of restarting job queues is, you know, is, the, is a good step. 
I was chuffed to see the run at job queue one time because um, that was actually, uh, dare to say, my, my suggestion um, when we were having a discussion in the MVP group one time about um, why we need access to this and where the restrictions. So Microsoft, it's Microsoft security people that have stopped you uh, getting a third party starting a job queue that can run infinitely into the future. Um, they they consider that that would be a technique that could put a time bomb into a client system for the future and enable you to almost kind of uh, blackmail a client, I guess. Um, so they, that, that wasn't permissible. And I said, well, we just need to be able to run the job queue once to make sure it will run. Um, and then, you know, quite happy to get the client to go and click start. But it's a pain when you have to get the client to go click start five times before you sort out why exactly it didn't run and all the rest. So really pleased to see that one in there because um, I think that will make life a, a lot easier for, for for clients and for partners as well. Okay, so that's a good one. Good one for, for all parties involved. I, I think the other thing that always, always pops up and it's great to see it happening is, is better performance. You know, customers love having new features, new functionality, and they can do more stuff, but when it's sluggish or when it's slow, that you know, that, that obviously really rattles everybody because you're trying to get on with your day job. And looking at this, the modern clients are coming down to the web client now. There's going to be uh, better performance um, on that. I, I was just reading through the way the screen is is loading when you and you go to a different area on the system. It's only going to load those bits that are, um, that, that are visible on the screen. As you scroll down, it'll be loading more and more stuff. But it means you get in, you can start working on the role center and, and go into what you need rather than having to wait, which we all get annoyed about, as, 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 as we know. Um, so yeah, that, people have certain expectations now, don't they, around performance, things that they might have accepted, but people have much higher expectations, so it's really good to see. That it's got to be things. instant, please. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the world we live in, isn't it? Now, yes. So these, these people, that obviously, we're, we're used to dial-up internet. <laughs> yeah, us oldies. Um, reports running in background as well is one that I think has come back because um, I think you could do this from uh, from the Windows client and it's come back to the web client. Um, so, you know, having that in, in the report inbox um, and then being able to go and once it's in the report inbox, you can go and schedule that report as well. So you can take off uh, the pain of actually having to remember to, to do it at all if it's a monthly report or daily or weekly or whatever. Okay, so so just just to clarify that, just I missed a bit of that. I don't know if my my internet was breaking up. So you're saying you can start a report, but you can then carry on with something else while that's running away in the background now, rather than having to sit there and, and watch it do whatever it was doing. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, it it just does it, and it puts it in your report inbox. And as I say, from there you go schedule it. Um, I think there's a, there's there's a few others. Um, being able to change the assigned printer before printing a report. Um, so um, it is useful. And the enable cloud printing on the mobile app um, yep. and from the Teams app. So, you know, if you want to print an order acknowledgement because you put it in via um, uh, your phone or something like that, you can you can do that. Um, all, all good stuff. The cloud printing, uh, universal printing. Um, I'm on the fence about that. I think it's a good thing to have, but I'm not sure how many printers out there support universal printing um, well, you've, not sure. you've got an option, though, because I was looking into this the other day, James, that you can, uh, Microsoft have actually got, just like we use with PrintNode, there's a little app you can install if your printers aren't compatible with the universal print system. So, you know, on, on premise, you can install a little bit of software, you point it at your printers locally, and then the cloud can see 
via this piece of software, those printers. So um, it's you know, it seems you know certainly one to go and look at. I think. So I guess it comes down to what's the cost of print node, which is pretty yeah. much nothing. What's the cost of uh, Azure's universal printing? Uh, at the moment, it's or an upgrade. free because it's in, yeah. <laughs> it's, universal print's free at the moment, but that's because it's in kind of uh, trial mode. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So that well, that's mm, uh, you know one to watch then, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I also like James the um, the. the being a Teams person, I, I like the fact that now you can search from within Teams. So you're using your search functionality in Teams. And if you've got those connections set up with Business Central, it will search your contacts area. I know we've been able to look and, and have the little plug-in and put the, the item cards and all those type of things within Business Central. But if you do, are using contacts, and I know most people probably should be looking at the full D365 experience for, for that. But if you are using Business Central for your contacts, it will search those now. You can make phone calls directly if you've got that capability within Teams to a contact within Business Central and you can share those details across. But I think it just shows the the strengthening and the ties that are between Teams and, and Dynamics getting every release. We see them, that, you know, stuff's becoming embedded more and more with Teams and, and the other products, but another another little feature that's been added. Um, so uh, development tools then uh, for the real geeks on the call. Um, so I think, uh, look, the, the top of my list when i look at that from that perspective has got to be report extensibility that's got to be a, a major win in terms of not having to start reports like document layouts for instance from scratch but just being able to add small changes into the the data items uh the schema layout um and maybe the layout then based on that so that's um i think that's a a big win i think uh you know, being able to add keys, um, indexes to base tables and table extension tables. So, you know, Liam, we've already talked about like how performance is a pain and um, lots and lots of times that comes down to not having the right index so that it's it's doing a table scan of every record um, every time you press enter. Um, which, you know, once your data grows beyond a certain size, it can real be a, be a real big pain. So we can go put those keys in now to to really speed that up, which is great. I saw quite a bit of excitement about that on Twitter in the uh, the dev community. I don't I don't pretend to understand everything that's going on, but I do follow a few How of them. Did and there did seem to be some excitement when that was announced. <laughs> <laughs> I just follow them. It makes me it makes me feel smarter than I am. So, I guess the one area we haven't talked about is Power Platform. Yeah, I, I, it's one of the areas I haven't I haven't looked at. Yeah, uh, virtual tables. So you can create a, I mean, there's, in, in effect, it, it looks like it's looking at the API pages. Um, so within Dataverse, in effect, you can set up a virtual table. So in effect, you're looking at a BC data directly within Dataverse, which is what used to be called um, Common Data Service CDS. <clears throat> so it, it, it's kind of taken away an integration point. Uh, and I believe it respects bc kind of table triggers so you can insert data let's say from a power app using dataverse connected through to bc so uh, data directly into bc and then use the uh, the relevant triggers and business logic that sit behind in bc so that could be a really interesting one i think you know yeah, i mean virtual tables both ways so uh being able to see business central tables in D365 and being able to see D365 tables in business central as, as directly rather than replicating yeah. data. I mean, we've, we've all 
know the issues with replicating data and what happens when it gets out of sync right and and inevitably it always does and then it's a pain to put right so being able to do that directly um i think is a major win isn't it yeah there's there's some restrictions on it um so i think you've got to read the small print before you jump um feet first into using it but uh, yeah i think that that could be um you know make the integration piece a lot easier so I noticed the Power BI connectors working with uh, Business Central APIs instead of with web services only. Um, you know, it's fair to say there's some change coming on Business Central web services. Um, uh, I think SOAP's being discontinued in a couple of years or a year, or I'm not quite sure the time frame. Who, who does that impact, James? Um, anybody who uses web services, uh, SOAP web services, it would, wouldn't it? But SOAP was the original web service uh format um, standard, if you like, that was introduced in NAV 2009. Um, you know, it's, it's the NAV 2009, the old classic client um, that supported, uh, that, that kind of you could you could set up and, and it was that, you know, we've been building interfaces into uh, NAV since 2009 in SOAP. It's the most common standard out there at the moment. Now, um, you know, REST-based web services have come along and replaced it with JSON format and so on. That's the modern way to go. Um, but SOAP being discontinued, now they've, they've put a long time frame on this and they've already extended it after a protest of, do you realise how much this is going to take? Um, but certainly to building any new interfaces into Business Central, you should make them uh, API REST-based uh, web services. Um, I think that's absolutely clear that that's the future. And any SOAP ones you've got, um, think about how you're going to slowly deprecate those. Um, you know, that, that, for me, that's going to be a major task because with, a, yeah. with some of that, you've got two parties. You know, you're not making that interface. It's typically not Business Central that's talking to a Business Central web service. It's some external application. And so you've got to go and get whoever looks after that external application to change that interface and that's not always the timing of that is not always on your control we've already seen a couple uh we were talking to a client last week liz where actually yeah, they didn't have the capability to talk to rest because the the other application was was um somewhat old should we say so you know that meant a real kind of back to the back to basics of uh of rebuilding the other end before we rebuild um interface in this end so yeah, that that's a precursor of a of a future um, challenge. I think that that's on the on the way. Um, but to bring it back, item availability from Business Central to Dynamics three six five sales. So you can see how many you've got in D three six five for sales when you're doing a a quote within CRM, um, which has got to be good, doesn't it? How could, yeah, how could you do a sales order without seeing how many you've got? Isn't that basics one hundred one? But it's now there, so that's good. I think just covering that as well, uh, we, we try and talk about all the areas of dynamics that, that technology management get involved in. You've touched a little bit there on the sales and the customer service side of it, as in what we used to call CRM. I think we're, we're planning to do a, a blog, a podcast, and a, probably a blog as well, a podcast around the changes that are coming in that with the Wave 1 release, because they also get an update um, in the springtime. So I think we'll do that as a separate uh, podcast in the next week or two. So we'll, we'll flush that out a little bit more. Okay, is there anything else that stands out? Or well, good, we, news, good news if you need Greece, India, Romania or Turkey localisation. I know we've got at least <laughs> one customer that does. 
Yeah, so that, those are the new localizations that they'll, they'll, they'll be shipping around that time as well. Are you, I mean, it's amazing how many emails we get from different people. Um, someone asked me about yesterday over the weekend that someone said, do we do, we do a, a Jordan version because it's not available on SaaS in the Jordan at the moment? So um, it's not on the list, so I'll have to go back with bad news, but maybe in the autumn they might get around to doing something over there. But uh, yeah, it's good, good those countries have been added. Great to see the reach that Business Central's getting, isn't it, when you see these countries yeah. and, and where we're getting requests yeah. from. Um, the easier it is, the more likely it is to roll out. And why wouldn't you do that global rollout if you need it in that country? It's it, it's great to see. Um, enablement of word merge in Business Central. It's back. <laughs> Ooh, it is like it's like, it's like ni- 1999. <laughs> well, I mean, it, you know, it's it's simple, but. Um, Pulling data about the recipients from Business Central. You can word mail merge to personalize each document. Um, so uh, your customers and contacts as part of a sales campaign. So yeah, I think that might be useful for somebody. Yeah. And I'll be interested to see the technology they've used there, because maybe that can be adapted for you know, better credit control letters or something of that nature that actually um, might be even more useful. If people would have seen four directors of an IT company trying to mail merge labels just before Christmas. <laughs> from, from the HR part of uh, to send to employees, yeah, just wanted a label to stick on an envelope. But yeah, it did take a while, didn't it? It did, yeah. But uh, hey, that's the, we should put that on the BC idea site so they save our blushes. Um, we did get it eventually and it was easier than we thought it was, but yeah. we don't do it very often. Um, anyway, with enough excuses, this whole process of, of announcing the, the, the roadmap, how, do, how well do you think it works, people? Well, I think I think from the consultants, generally the community, the consultants, the developers, are, you know, as soon as they see it, they're, they're on to it and trying to understand what's coming, getting excited about some of the things. I think it works well for the, um, the reseller community. I'm not sure about... For, for customers, I think for, from the customer's point of view, it's our job to, to take this information that we're given, um, of which some of it is fluff, and pick out what, what, is vali- what is going to be valuable and what people should be looking at. Do you think there's enough detail? Or, I mean, you can see that from both perspectives, right? Because Microsoft don't want to give the detail because they don't want to reveal all of the kind of... Uh, the new release in, in one go and maybe they haven't finished writing it yet. Well, I was just about to say, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is it all finished? Could it change before release? They're not going to give screenshots and, and you know, detailed instructions on how to use it. Um, so I think it is. It's, it's, up to, to, it's up to us to, to interpret it and also to pick up things that, that are potentially affecting the direction of travel and things that, whilst they might not be changing now, um, are things like the integration we talked about that people need to be considering, need to be thinking about. Uh, and that's up to us, I think, sometimes to read between the lines and, and educate customers about that and about the things that they might read and think don't affect them, but they, they do. Yeah, and planning for projects, you know, don't go do a customization for something that's that's on the roadmap. Wait and yeah. see yeah. what it is yeah. till it arrives and all the rest of it. So, yeah. you know, having been in the community for a good few years now, I, I think this is a is a reasonable compromise. Um, I, I think you know, the, the the partner and the end user community will always want more detail. Microsoft would probably like, in preference, to give them absolutely nothing, but at least we get enough to be able to kind of plan and, and understand what we need to go look at when that release becomes available. And 
Um, you know, it will only be a few weeks now. I'm not sure exactly when, but uh, you'll be able to go spin up a sandbox with a preview. Yeah. So if you're on SAS or to uh, come back to a recurring theme of this podcast, if you have your maintenance on a CSP uh, EP agreement where you have a cloud sandbox that you can go use, even though you don't use it, you could go and create a preview and have a look. And why wouldn't you? If you think, think it's something that might affect and going to be useful. Yeah, I think the, the, the quicker we get to access it, like you said, James, and then end users can start to have a play with it. This this is almost, to me, is like the, tra- the teaser trailer. It's giving you the, the route of direction that Microsoft are going. I know there's a bunch of caveats about what may and may not come in there, but you can see where they're heading towards. And as soon as we get to have a play with it, then it, it's always good. And, and we understand it a little bit better. But I think to get out there and share with people what they're planning, I think it's really important service that, that we need to do for our customers so they can understand what, what they need to do to, to take advantage of as well. I, I think as well with the clients, you know, we, we've always had a little bit of pushback with going to the web clients. You're constantly seeing the improvement on that. I mean, the one that we didn't touch on there, but, you know, you can actually double click on something in the web client on certain things now and it will, it'll take you through. We're all used to double clicking for the last 25 years of our life to go into something. So Yeah, it's natural instinct, things, isn't it? That? Yeah, and, and, and to bring that in, it's only a small thing on the list, but for a lot of people, they'll, they, if it's the first time they've used the web client, they'll sit there, double click, double click, why isn't it working? So, as you said, it's, it's natural instinct and to see that starting to appear. My developers hat on, Liam. You know, you used to have to code that double click, right? And what they're saying now, it'll just double click. So it's a property you set up um, and, and that will work. So, you know, pretend, potentially that's a, that's a developer productivity enhancement as well, where they've got less to actually go think about and code, which is great. Cool. It's the way cool. it should be going, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, pull that around. Thanks, everybody, for listening and uh, tune in next time. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Good to see you. Bye-bye.